Welcome back to InfoTribe and our host, Chris Whitting. Why should the wealthiest country in the world also have the highest rates of poverty among the industrialized nations? Our next guest can discuss this. He is Mark Robert Rank, Professor of Social Welfare at Washington University in St. Louis and author of The Poverty Paradox, Understanding Economic Hardship Amid American Prosperity. Professor, first, let's get clear on what is considered poverty. What income level puts someone in that category? The way that we kind of measure poverty in the United States is we have an income line. If you fall below that line, you're counted as in poverty. So for a family of three last year in the United States, that was around $22,000, $23,000. So families that were earning less than that, a household of three, they would be counted as falling into poverty. And then it's adjusted for family size as well. And how many Americans are living in poverty and how is that number trending over time right now? Over the last 40 years or so, it's varied between about 10 to 15 percent of the U.S. population falls below the poverty line. It's gone down a little bit when economic times are better and then it goes up a bit when economic times are not so good. But it's varied around that. So last year, the overall poverty rate was 11.6 percent. So just based on the title of your book, The Poverty Paradox, uh, it doesn't sound like there's an easy answer to my next question. Why is there such a high rate of poverty in the United States? The reason why we have such high poverty rates in the United States is because we have a lot of kind of failures at the structural level, which then increases the amount of poverty. And by failures at the structural level, I'm talking about we have a number of jobs that just don't pay enough to support families. Many of these jobs don't have benefits. So folks might be working, but it's tough to get out of poverty if you're working at some of these jobs. And then the other thing that we don't have is a strong kind of social safety net to protect folks from falling into poverty. So when things happen to people like losing a job or getting sick, there's not a lot to protect them. Do you see any way that we could get to zero poverty or is that really an unreachable goal? Yeah, I think it probably is unreachable, but there's no question about that we can reduce the extent of poverty in this country. And other countries, other high economy countries have done so, have much lower rates of poverty than the United States. And the reason is because they're addressing some of these structural problems. So I think we can very well get our poverty rates down, you know, maybe to about 5% from the sort of 11 or 12 percentages that we have now. Can you talk a little more about this structural vulnerability that you discuss in your book and just give us a little more detailed explanation of that? Yeah. So one thing I think that a lot of people can relate to is I use this analogy of musical chairs. And what I say is that in the game of musical chairs, you can either focus on who loses out at the game or why the game produces losers in the first place. So if you focus on who loses out at the game, well, maybe they weren't as quick. They were in a bad position when the music stopped. But given that there are only a certain number of chairs for the number of players that are playing, some people are going to lose out. And that's the analogy I use with poverty, that those folks who experience poverty are much more likely to have less skills, less education, be in single parent families. And we can point to those as saying, well, that's why those folks might be in poverty. But if on the other hand, we say, look, the way that the economy is set up is that we don't have enough decent paying jobs. We don't have a robust social safety net then some people are going to lose out. And so this is a really important way to think about it is, do we want to focus on who loses out at the game or do we want to focus on why the game produces losers in the first place? And the second question is really what my book is focusing on. 
Our guest is Mark Robert Rank, professor of social welfare at Washington University in St. Louis, and we're talking about his book, The Poverty Paradox, Understanding Economic Hardship Amid American Prosperity. Professor, what are the demographics of poverty in terms of age and race and sex? Yeah, it's interesting. Folks who are younger are more likely to be in poverty. Folks of color are also more likely to be in poverty. But interestingly, if you look at the entire poverty population, two-thirds of folks in poverty are white. And so this gets at one of my points, which is we often think about poverty as an issue of them rather than an issue of us. And if you look at some of the sort of life course work that I've done, it turns out that the vast majority of Americans at some point in their lives will experience poverty. So there are certain characteristics that put people at a greater risk of experiencing poverty, but we might think of it as the reach of poverty is really wide. Some would say that you've got to, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and they give all the rah-rah slogans and stuff. Does that have any effect or do you see that as a negative? You know, I've talked to hundreds of people who are in tough situations and are in poverty. And some of the hardest working people I've talked to are folks that are in poverty. You know, they're working at jobs that are backbreaking kinds of jobs. And so it's not a question of not working hard. It's a question of this issue of not enough decent paying jobs to support everybody that's out there. Working hard, putting your nose to the grindstone, all those things, they're certainly important, but they're a necessary but not a sufficient condition. So there are plenty of people that are working really hard that are not getting ahead. So just by working hard doesn't mean you're going to get ahead. What you need to have is, again, the idea of a good paying job, good benefits. These are the kind of things that really prevent people from falling into poverty. It seems like the people in Washington who run the country are more focused on those with money, you know, those who can support their campaigns. Are the poverty-stricken people kind of being ignored by the rule makers? Absolutely. No question about it. The golden rule is those who have the gold rule. I think that that's very much in play here in the United States, that we know that money and resources has really distorted our democracy. And so those who don't have money, those who don't have resources, really don't have a voice in Washington, D.C. And that's one of the reasons why, one among many, why we don't have a strong social safety net is because those voices are really not an important player in the political process. So we've been talking about poor people in the United States. How does that compare with the rest of the world? Yeah, and that's one of the things that I look at in the book, which is to say, all right, so we have a rate of 11 or 12 or 13 percent poverty in this country. How does that compare to other countries? And it turns out that the United States is at the very high end in terms of both the amount of poverty we have, the depth of poverty. So what does that actually mean in terms of people's standard of living? and also the extent of inequality, both income and wealth inequality. We have among the highest levels of income and wealth inequality, poverty, and so on, compared to you know, the European Union or compared to Canada or Japan or other countries that we would make comparisons to. So that's a really important point to bring out that you know, when we compare ourselves to other countries, we are much, much higher. And you know, this is where this idea of the poverty paradox comes from. We're also the wealthiest country in the world. And at the same time, we have the highest rates of poverty. That's a fundamental paradox 
And my argument is we need to address it. The middle class in the United States over the last 40 or 50 years has really suffered. One example of that is if you look at median wages for full-time men workers. In 1973, once you control for inflation, they were $40 less than they were last year. So in other words, over this almost 50-year period, there has been no gain in real income for full-time male workers. And that's reflective in people feeling like they're not getting ahead because they're not getting ahead. I guess I'll just leave you with this. I did an analysis of the cost of childhood poverty in the United States. What does it cost us all as a society? And, you know, we were pretty conservative in how we did that. And we estimated that on a yearly basis, childhood poverty cost the United States slightly over $1 trillion, which was about 28% of the federal budget. So it's not a question of paying or not paying. It's a question of how we want to pay. And by focusing on poverty, we address a lot of the negative consequences that come down the road. And so not only is addressing poverty a social justice issue, which I think it is, it's also an economic issue. It's smart to prevent children from falling into poverty because that will save us lots of dollars down the road. The book is The Poverty Paradox, Understanding Economic Hardship Amid American Prosperity. And the author, Mark Robert Rank, Professor of Social Welfare at Washington University in St. Louis. Professor, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks a lot. I really enjoyed it. You're listening to InfoTrack, a production of Syndication Networks.